0: Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Fish. Before we get going, I just want to let you know a couple of things. Firstly, the episode you're about to hear is the last ever episode to be recorded at the QI offices in Covent Garden as we pack up shop and move on to our new offices in Hoburn. So we thought, you know, if we're going to go out, we should go out strong. So we reached out to Nerd Royalty and fortunately she said, yes, it's Hannah Fry. My goodness, we are such huge fans of her at the QI office. I think every elf has probably read her books. Hello World, if you've not read that by the way, is an incredible book. Uh, I'm sure you've all seen her TV series, which was out November of last year on BBC Two, called The Secret Genius of Modern Life. It was absolutely phenomenal. She makes incredible TV, she writes incredible books, and she is such a good guest on this week's episode. You have to, by the way, check out her latest show. You can find it on Bloomberg.com, and it's called The Future. With Hannah Fry. It is a look into the world of scientists and inventors who are changing the way the world is gonna be over the next century. These are people who are looking into seeing if we can live a life beyond 150 years old, who are working out whether or not computers will be able to read our emotions and trying to find out if they can make a planet that will be utterly transformed by unlimited clean energy. So do check that out. It's on Bloomberg.com, or you can find the entire series on YouTube as well. And otherwise. Uh, You know, next time you happen to be in Covent Garden, do take a walk down Maiden Lane. And if you look above the barbershop that's called Ruffians, you'll see a window there. That's where we were for nine years. James, Andy, Anna and I just sat there dorking out and uh, we're going to miss the place. But we're looking forward to the next chapter and that will be next week's episode. But for now, let's give a good old goodbye with Hannah Fry to the QI offices in Covent Garden. On with the show. And welcome to another episode of No Such Thing As A Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with James Harkin, Andrew Hunter-Murray, and Hannah Fry. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in a particular order, here we go. Starting with fact number one, and that is...
1: Hannah. Oh, me. Quite <laughs> turn. Uh, okay, here's my facts. The Malliard reaction, so the thing that makes your uh, bread turn brown when you toast it, is actually the same thing that makes fake tan work.
2: Interesting. <laughs> okay.
0: So, mm. so I mean, you're not do,
3: you being, you're, do you want
1: more? Do you want more? Yeah. So you're being. You're, being, <laughs> <laughs>
4: you're underimpressed. You're being actually, toasted. No, yeah. it's just
3: so weird. As in, I, I try to make the connection between. You've been toasted effectively. You
4: would think, like, if you had a normal suntan, you're like no. you're laying in the sun. You would think that's being toasted. That's toasted exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> this yeah. is this is a
0: spray on, or this is a cream, right? So yeah. it's, there's no toasty. What if you put fake tan on bread? That's what I wanted to know. Good
3: question. <laughs> this is a great question, uh,
1: but someone needs to experiment.
3: Yeah, <laughs> perfect toast every time. <laughs> okay,
0: so
1: the best thing about this, my favorite thing about this, is yeah. this is this was discovered completely by accident. So uh, there was a researcher called uh, Ava Wittgenstein, and she was looking into there some children. Uh, who were having problems, their bodies were having problems in breaking down glucose. So there's a sort of simplified sugar that you find in the body, um, which is called dihydroxyacetone, Easy for me to say. Um, and she was seeing if you could feed them this sugar, whether their bodies could break down that sort of simplified sugar. And every now and then, uh, some of these kids would like accidentally dribble a little bit of medicine down their chin. And uh, and when they did, they would have a perfectly orange stain wow, of so dribble. Wow, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, and then she was like, oh, what's, what's going on here? And what she realized is that you have these amino acids in the skin. And when that reacts with the DHA, the uh, dihydroxy, Acetone, um, it creates that sort of reaction that is the same thing that the, uh that ends up turning your skin brown in the sun. That it's the, the melanin oh. in your skin. Anyway, this idea was picked up by copper tone mm. and then released into uh, fake tan, yes. and it's still the same thing. still the same stuff. The DHA, which wow. is the thing, That's the true. Wow. but they've just they've become much better at making it less smelly and less orange. So
4: did okay. Eva um, Wittgenstein? Did she? see this little bit of orangeness and think what if that was my whole face <laughs> or she's more of a scientist and someone else picked up on the idea what she's we- more of the scientist right. mm. I
1: mean you know look who doesn't want to have an entirely orange face I'm, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'm sure she had ambition but yeah.
0: here's the question that I've got I spent ages hours trying to find anything about Eva Wittgenstein there is nothing that I could find.
3: Were you trying to find out if she was related to Ludwig? No, I did. no not <laughs> Because no. I, I did. Right, and I did you think. find anything? No, no
0: exactly. No. There's nothing about... So she does this <laughs> in the 50s, and then she kind of disappears. And I asked a friend who knows how to go into sort of American records just to see if he could find her. And he searched the whole records. All he could find was an Eva Wittgenstein who died age 97 in North Carolina. Uh, we don't know if it's her, but she showed up as being on a government watch list.
2: Oh, so oh, it's kind of a cool ooh, idea that maybe Eva interesting. became,
1: uh, yeah. Hey, maybe <laughs> she became a spy and could like change her disguise <laughs> by going orange and then back to white. That's the original
3: mission Impossible possible, is into a tanning booth and comes out half an hour later, completely unrecognisable. <laughs> yeah, that's that, great. What a disguise, yeah. So has, has, have any of you guys ever been fake tanned? At no. All?
1: Uh, never. N- almost non-stop. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm not joking do you like my skin is uh, okay it's important for anybody who doesn't know what I look like I am the most ginger person that a ginger person can be right like I am fully ginger which means that my skin is not just white it's like translucent with a hint of blue (laughs) and so, so so I put on fake tan just to make my skin look like pasty skin
3: Wow yeah. okay. Do oh, you yeah. have it on right now?
1: I don't actually But I have got bronzer on Can you not tell?
0: Well you just you look, No it looks <laughs> fine It looks normal
3: Interesting that that's, Okay That you can be Kind of under Pale Like not You're not even pale No yeah. I,
1: I aspire to be pale <laughs> oh, like
3: you, So have you tried that? Because I know there are Loads of different methods yeah. You can do There are the, there are the beds aren't there? And then there are the booth with the Oh no so
1: beds Beds are not fake tan So the beds oh, You go a, in That's a real tan yeah, That's yeah. very right. It's very It's looked down on
0: Oh, these okay. It's okay. not okay. very good yeah, for you. it's, it's yeah. a bit. It's a little right. bit skin cancery.
3: Right. So I didn't realize that these, the spray that you can put on, is also a risk. Is because, it? Because well, no. I mean, not. Sorry. Okay. Just for any big tanners listening, <laughs> or sort of like legal teams, whatever. The yeah, yeah. point is that I. What a backtrack. Big <laughs> tan <laughs> might be coming to get you. It's <laughs> actually good. It's actually good for you. It's actually uh, no. it's it, it makes you look like you are protected from the sun but you're not. I see. It yeah. hasn't had the actual effect. It's reacted, it's produced these pigments, these melanoidins in your skin, but you are then totally yeah, yeah. unprotected from So some people sun, would think sunburn.
4: you, and, and I don't think this is even proper, but some people think you get a little bit of a tan and that will protect you from <laughs> right. other, you know, yeah, stronger... Yeah. From the sun. Yeah, no, stronger yeah. sun. Yeah. Which it doesn't. This definitely doesn't. This yeah, is just, yeah. yeah. And yeah. doesn't it,
0: I, I. this is a bit sciencey for me, but doesn't it in... In sorry doesn't it actually kind of make you more susceptible to having the suns harm you don't know oh, I haven't done, on, I for haven't me done now. Any okay. on that it's, oh, I
1: don't uh, know I mean I, I think no that. I think no okay. Yeah. okay
0: there was a study that was done in 2007 which showed and this was by Katinka Jung. I don't know if there's any relation to Carl. I uh, <laughs> don't know the Wittgenstein situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this was in Berlin, which showed that 24 hours after having the tanner on, uh, ultraviolet, you become more susceptible to is it that... in a 24 oh. hour period, according to this oh, study in 2007. Wow.
2: Oh.
1: interesting. Look, what? all what? I know is I yeah. never leave the Blumen House without Factor 50 on. Yeah. Um, well, I was really? once. Oh, you burn oh, as well. oh, God, yeah. So I was once in, uh, in Cuba. Don't oh. like to brag. Um, oh. <laughs> I was wearing Factor 50 and sat in the shade all day. Yeah. And uh, I was burnt so badly from the reflection of the sun on the sand oh. that I got blisters. Right? That's the sort of situation. Oh like, you people without ginger hair, you don't know. You oh. don't know that how we suffer. That is- I do have
4: transparent <laughs> skin as well, actually. I like Irish skin, even though I have dark hair. Like when I was in a similar part of the world, I put sun cream on, factor 50, every 20 minutes. And one of the times I didn't put it on properly and I blistered in the shape of a handprint on my <laughs> oh, chest. god! Yeah. I went to um, oh, a,
1: a pig farm in Scotland recently. <laughs> god, guys, just all like- these showbiz <laughs> anecdotes that we've got coming. Yeah, again, like- again, don't like to brag. <laughs> <laughs> what I
4: hope you're going to say is you realise that pigs shelter from the sun by rubbing themselves in mud and you did the same? It- <laughs> <No>? <laughs> I mean, th-
1: close, close. Yeah. It's because you said Irish skin um, yeah. and when I was going around this pig farm I realised just i mean genuinely these pigs have identical skin to me (laughs) (laughs) identical skin and i was like why do all these pigs have irish skin and uh, as you say it makes them really susceptible to to sunburn Um, so they have to that's why they have to keep them in sheds but actually the reason for having irish skin is a bit grim is because when you are breeding them for meat you can see if there's bad meat much easier through see-through skin no Mm -hmm. wow what is Mm -hmm. that true Mm
4: -hmm. that that is
0: super fast. So
1: look, you and me, if we ever yeah. get hung up for meat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: Wow. But do you both have any advantage to having pale skin? Can anyone see something? We
1: are vitamin D superheroes. Okay, right. Know? Like, that's genuinely a superpower of pale skin people. As in you, what does that Got
0: mean? We, like, more, we or you make synthesize it, it more yeah, easily? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Not enough
4: that you can come in and, you know, extract it from, extract it from, you from you me. No, no. You can't, okay. can't, <laughs> can't make a
1: vitamin D farm out of us. <laughs> well,
4: have, we haven't tried yet, guys. I read an article that said the Maillard reaction is by far the most widely practiced chemical reaction in the world. Hmm. Oh, that's well, so cool. Hang on, what about breathing? Breathing? Oh, that yeah. counts as a chemical reaction. Yeah. Well, this was at the 100-year anniversary of the Mayad reaction, right. uh, which is <laughs> a huge <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah they got thing skin in happened. the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was a chemist who said it, Nobel Prize winner John Marie Lane, mm. who said it. Uh, but there was a huge conference. It was a like 100 years since it got discovered. And there's yeah. a group, the there's Maillard a, Reaction Group. The yeah. Mayad
3: Reaction Society have conferences <laughs> just about the Mayad Reaction. And they're, they're, yeah, as you say, James, they were established in 2005, and it's just food browning scientists meeting up and. Sounds great. Having a whale of a time, mm. I bet. Yeah. But actually, I think James's case that it's the most practiced chemical reaction on the planet. Well, this was
4: uh, Jean Marie Len. who I'm said I'm supporting this. it, James, okay. because
3: not only is everyone who's ever made a slice of toast engaged in it, but also the Mayad Reaction is happening in our bodies all the time. Okay. Oh. And so, when you toast something, it happens at a very high temperature. Yeah. But generally, um, it's it's a reaction between amino acids, which are you know the building blocks of proteins, and we've all made lots of proteins and sugars. So that is constantly happening in the human body anyway, but at a very slow rate, much much more slowly than toasting or all the fake tanning thing.
1: Are you saying I'm orange on the inside too? <laughs> I'm afraid so. <laughs>
3: And it's bad, it's bad for you though because when you make toast, you know, the mito reaction
4: produces about a thousand new molecules. You know, it's really complicated. one of the chemicals it makes is um, acrylamide and acrylamide is carcinogenic. Oh. You know, if you have just a slice of toast every day, it's not nearly enough to be a problem. But they found that the Maillard process that they use in highly processed foods. So if you're making some really highly processed food and you want it to last for ages, one way to do it is to heat it up really, really quickly at a massive, Mm. massive temperature. And that kind of Maillard reaction gives this acrylamide. Yeah. You
1: know, talking about processed foods though, Mm. so, okay, if you're like home cooking and you're browning off the chicken and Mm. then browning off this thing to try and get low, Of flavour, something I've discovered recently. Don't bother doing any of that, right? You can get MSG from the uh, internet, right? (laughs)
2: Yeah. Buy
1: it, right? A little (laughs) sprinkle of MSG makes everything taste amazing. Okay. And because I am scientific in nature, right? I've AB Mm. tested this stuff with guests come around my house. Oh, right. Sorry, what's AB testing? It's where you basically have one bowl with one bowl without and see which one goes down quicker. Oh, That's wow. Yeah. oh wow! Yeah. Did
4: they know they were in an experiment when they came round? They did not. Tell. Welcome to my house. <laughs> I would say it's an assumption. If you ever go and visit Hannah, it's like you're probably in an experiment. You yeah. find release out. form at the door.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not really
4: explained. But it's um. So what was in the bowls? Do you mind me asking?
1: Uh, I made a chicken curry. Look, don't get it wrong. My chicken curry is absolutely delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Both bowls were finished eventually. But the sure, one with sure. The one. Tracking, <laughs> The no, Kraken was, was 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 more enjoyed. Yeah, well, I mean wow. MSG
0: is my. I grew up in Hong Kong. That's my life. MSG. I'm right. I'm very excited. Do you have buckets
1: of it that you like? Spoon. From? I do get
0: pot noodle, and I collect just the sachets so that I can use it on other things. How
4: is that? sachets of
3: MSG that come with pot noodles. You,
0: you know the you. It's MSG is inside the actual powder that you get
3: of the.
4: I didn't actually, know that.
3: I, I can't remember when I last had a pot noodle, but it's been a while. Yeah, ah. some of us are, like
4: <laughs> <have> move fast. <laughs> <you> know, okay, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. this is
3: my version of. I was in Cuba recently. I've had a pot noodle in the last few years. <laughs> Can I tell you something about um, airline food, specifically relating to yeah, so my art? So, okay, you can't. Do the Maillard reaction on a plane. Okay. That's interesting. The, most planes these days don't have stoves. Well you right? need an open oh, flame, or hang something, on. Right? And, so or open the, flames. Sure, yeah. Sure. So the how do they heat the food? They microwave it. Yeah. Right? Okay. What's the maximum temperature microwaveable food gets up to? It's a hundred degrees because it's heating the water molecules, yeah. which get to hundred, so blah blah blah. So you can't. That's why. Plain, that's part of the reason why plane food tastes bad I know yeah. it affects your taste buds. being Big if I brought don't. a Bunsen burner onto a plane. It's, yeah. Oh yeah. It would be. A,
4: yeah. It would be possible.
3: Yeah. It's unfortunately, it's actually on that little card at check-in. They do say, "Have you brought a Bunsen burner to, for your toast?" There's a picture of a guy with a medieval toasting fork as well. Yeah, They're yeah. Really strict. Yeah, um, but no. But if you put it On one of those little plastic bags, you can get that through. Yeah. Sure. That. <laughs> yeah. But so of lots of food is pre-mired
4: before it's loaded onto the plane yeah. and it then microwaved. It. Yeah. And then it's microwaved and then right. so you get a bit of the flavour. Still, but yeah, Um, the myad reaction works on poo, and that's why we have that's (laughs) why we have coprolites.
2: Oh, what? What So if you
4: a coprolite is a fossilized poo, right? Our listeners will know that. <laughs> of course they will. Of course. Um, but basically, let's say you have a dinosaur, they do a poo. And the myad reaction works on the surface of the poo. That's what crusts it over. And then eventually, that's what helps it become a coprolite. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: if I take my dog out for a walk, right? Yeah. Spray the result with fake tan.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sprinkle a little Come, MSG on. Yeah. It.
2: <laughs> Come back chance. millions of years later. There's yeah. a chance.
3: Leave a sign near it: "Do not touch." Experiment in progress. <laughs> yes. yeah. One of Hammer's experiments. Yeah. Oh fuck it. Yeah. Just, just leave it alone, right? Um, Dan, you said Hong Kong because yeah. we were talking about MSG. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you heard of wok hay? Is this a familiar? Wok hay. To you? Yeah, it's the breath of the wok. Right? Oh, yeah. oh, okay. It's this quality right. that if you're cooking in, in China and particularly in Hong Kong, it's the, like the perfect seared taste of the rice uh, that's been cooked in a wok. And it's because the rice gets tossed lo- you know, really fast, loads of times, like a few times a second. Mm. It uses the mild reaction. And if you get the trajectory of the rice right and it's cooking at the right temperature, it's absolutely delicious, apparently. And there's a restaurant called The Chairman in Hong Kong, which is one of the top restaurants in Hong Kong. And chefs there have to spend a year... Practicing the tossing of the rice in the pan, huh. they're only allowed to cook for other chefs. They're not allowed to cook stir fries for customers. Wow. They're not allowed to cook a stir fry for a year so they can get the tossing right. Yeah. Wow. That's
0: amazing.
2: Mm.
3: I
1: have heard about you know washing woks being a, a, oh, yeah. a bad thing, right? Like mm. you're supposed yeah.
4: to. I bet you're not supposed like to wash a teapot, kind of thing as well, right? Yeah, that's just lazy people. yeah. I seasoned
3: a pan recently. What does that mean? It's where you get a new... <laughs> fried on your face. Then. I know. It was quite the thing. Well, it really was. It was kind of, yeah, I'm living that Fraser life now.
4: I really am. Um, no pot noodles it, for you. No. You, um, you toss your pot noodle for a year <laughs> a before yeah, you yeah, eat yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> it's where
3: you get a new like a cast iron pan. No nonstick stuff. Yeah, just, yeah. just pure, you know, lovely cast iron, whatever. And then you put this tiny layer of oil in and you, you cook that very slowly. Oh. And then it kind of bonds with the pan. Right. And then you do that a few times Again and again and again. You do it all over the pan. You're kind of lathering the pan, and then and then making a tiny thin layer, and it makes it uh, really good at cooking. Um, I don't know more stuff. Andy's
0: yeah. usually very private. That's as personal a thing as we've I, ever learned you know on the what? show. I back feel back like him. I've learned a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> Can we cut <laughs> that bit out? <laughs> Actually, sorry, I give giving too much away. I feel a bit.
3: I'm exposed. Okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is Andy. My fact is that Japan has just found 7,000 islands that it didn't know it had.
2: Hmm. Oh. hmm.
3: Japan's doubled, basically, in one specific respect. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they use this, not in size, just in numbers. No, it's it's in still size. exactly the same Wait, how many did it size? have before? Yeah, exactly, yeah. It had
4: 6,800 before. Oh, wow. So, so, so it's not right. doubled. It's more than doubled. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's yeah. um, a good day, isn't it? It's a great day. Because <laughs> it would be great if one of them was like... Honshu, or whatever the islands. <laughs> yeah,
3: um, but they're yeah. all small,
4: right? They're, they're all, all super
3: small. Unfortunately,
4: I, yeah. I feel like we
1: need tiny. more detail. Where were they?
3: They were all uh, around the main ones, you know, and 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 um, offshore mostly. Did, um, did they
1: find <laughs> them all in 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 one day, in one go? Uh,
3: well, they did. They've been doing some digital mapping. Japan since 1985 has has had the same set of maps, which I think are based on older maps. Whereas now you can survey much more accurately. Yeah, and so there are now 14,000 Japanese islands. Are any
4: of them in, like, the South China Sea and claimed by other people, do we think? I don't know mm. how many are totally <laughs> undisputed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, the Kuril Islands, which is in the north of Japan, uh, uh, which is claimed also by Russia. Yes. That mm. is a dispute that's still been going since World War II. And which means that technically World War II hasn't finished uh, because oh. Japan and the Soviet Union haven't agreed on who owns these islands and it was part of World War II. Seriously, not... Wow. No, like the last time they talked about it was like... I don't know 10 years ago something like that and they didn't agree with it then and I can't see them agreeing with it now that's amazing right. what an amazing tourist attraction that you can go there and you're in World War 2 <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and that's so great. one of the other things to say is
0: that hmm. Japan's major land masses like the four or five islands I think predominantly hmm. four are 90% of the landmass. so that's we're talking about the final 3% here that
3: make up the 14,000 extra islands yeah, that more. they have yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah are any of them big enough to put a house
3: on? yeah yeah I'm sure yeah You might not want to put a house on them just in case of sea levels. Yeah. I mean,
4: if you're a short-termist about it. Oh, Oh, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. If you're you're a dodgy property developer, (laughs) this is a boon for you. This is great. But
4: it also depends on what you call an island, right? What's the difference between a rock and an island size? But where does one end and the other one start, right? And in Scotland, Mm -hmm. they had a traditional thing, which was if you could keep a sheep on it, it's an island. (laughs) And if you can't keep a sheep on it, it's a rock. But and that, when you say keep a sheep you
3: mean can the sheep is there enough grass for the sheep can to survive can it survive itself? for yeah a few I years i mean because okay. presumably
1: you can keep a sheep on basically any rocks just <laughs> yeah. depends just, on the level of cruelty you're willing to be strong <laughs> yeah if it's spiky enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah so
4: like right. what i'm saying i guess is like a lot of these islands will be super small and whether they're yeah. officially rocks or islands yeah. we don't have a way of deciding no, that's why you that's can't say is. how many islands there are in the UK or how many there are in Canada or even mm. which country has the most islands because different people count them in different yeah. ways yeah. you
1: also couldn't say uh, the circumference of the of the rock to give you a definition of whether it's a rock or an island because you know this that if you measure the circumference or the length of a coastline it depends on how big your measuring stick is yeah. as to the answer that you get
3: go on okay you
4: guys <laughs> you're about to get mapped.
1: <laughs> buckle up um, okay so if you just have a map let's say of the British coastline and you get like a 30 centimetre ruler and you go right how long's the coastline da, 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 like you know whatever but then if you got a more accurate measuring stick right so one that you were measuring to the millimetre you could kind of get in there in the nooks and crannies a little bit more mm-hmm. and go all around them right and actually you will get longer and longer and longer each time because every time you add in a little cr- crevice little nook and cranny you're kind of adding length to it so in the limit of an of an uh, of like looking at uh, an infinitely detailed ruler and infinitesimally small like nooks and crannies you have an infinite coastline wow That's so cool um, and so
4: interesting can i tell so you cool. a story
1: about my favorite island in the world yes yeah. yeah. um okay so um there's a uh, there's a little place in france this is not my favorite island in the world Really? Um, there's a there's a little lake and it's got a little island in it right so you cross yeah. over a little bridge and then you get it and then when you're on the island it's got a pond in the island okay right um or maybe a, sort of like a small lake mm. how, pond to lake how do you yeah. know <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. what really anyway, is a in the middle island. of the yeah, yeah. pond there's a little island no. right so no. you've got an island in a lake and on that island there is a lake which also has an island in it wow. so essentially yeah, recursive lovely. islands now there are. A few of these places around the world. Okay. But the best one of all is called Vulcan Point, and it's in the Philippines. And it's a tiny little island that is inside a lake. Oh, right?
2: okay. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, right?
1: yeah. Um, it's a very, very small little island. It's like a little little rock.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and that lake is inside a volcano. Wow. Cool. Which is uh, itself surrounded by water which okay. is on an island, yeah. right, in a lake. <laughs> yeah. And it's in the Philippines, which is in itself an island. Wow. Oh, now, the thing bad. is about Vulcan Point yeah. is, that unfortunately, the volcano exploded and Vulcan Point was destroyed. But oh. <laughs> there is nonetheless photographic evidence of the point where there was uh, this level of recursive <laughs> islands. Wow. And you know what? I think you could put a sheep on it. Really? really? Yeah, it had oh. a great big spike in the middle.
3: You can keep a lamb kebab on it. It's the, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that's so cool. That's extraordinary. That's so, so, so cool. I love that.
0: There's a really cool island on Japan which is called Gunkanjima Island. And what's amazing about this is it was once the most densely populated place on our planet. Ooh, it was... Wow. It's it's
3: really?
1: quite small. It's, so. Does that mean there's a lot of people or it's very, very
0: small? A <laughs> lot of people uh, for a very small island. It's okay. a mixture of the two. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, this is the 1900s and uh, this island, there was Mitsubishi. They they looked at it and thought there would be a lot of rich submarine coal deposit underneath. Oh. So what they did was they built these buildings on top of the rock. They mm. fitted 6,000 people Like there's nothing else you could do. but. Just be in these apartments and then drill downwards to get it. And they were right, there was stuff down there. You'll recognize it, by the way, possibly, if you yeah. like uh, popular movies. It's in James Bond's Skyfall. It's where Bond goes to this weird island where it's completely abandoned and oh, yeah, yeah. so people go there now. It was to... Javier Bardem. Yes, exactly. And, uh, Why was it comedy?
3: abandoned? Um, I, either they mined enough of it or. No, I don't think it was that. What? I think that Japan switched to petrol, uh, tragically. Uh, right. tragically. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> giving away if you, sorry if you don't know Hannah I've got substantial interests in coal and um... <laughs> we really are
1: finding out yeah. Not about you um,
3: <laughs>
4: wait till you hear they've gone to electric cars, oh, no okay. um,
3: anyway no 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 they, they, Japan just had a big switch over Like, yeah yeah, yeah. Um,
4: the most populated now is Mong Kok, isn't it in Hong Kong just worse? we were talking about it really? before yeah Ooh. I think wow. so yeah, that was always intensely populated yeah, in is. Hong Kong yeah. I
3: think this, this island was 216,000 people per square mile which is because it was a fraction of a square mile. It feels it like a lot, yeah. yeah. Give us
1: a comparison, though. What is it like in central London?
3: Uh, ooh, I don't... Mm, I know that the least densely populated countries are places like Mongolia, which have about four people, I think, per square mile. And this was how many? 216,000. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Quite a lot more.
4: Yeah, quite a lot more, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I went to an island in Japan that has all the rabbits on, and it's just like, you walk, and there's just rabbits everywhere. And Gosh. you walk down... And they follow you. Are these naturally occurring rabbits
1: or have they been placed there for the interest their, of tourists? The
4: story goes that there was a um, a chemical weapons factory and they were used as experiments and they were let go <laughs> and then they proliferated. But bred like rabbits. Bread, well, yeah, exactly. It's not but,
3: I can see why they went with the lizard for the Godzilla origin story. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but what we think actually happened is there are a lot of school kids nearby and they put some rabbits oh. on there and then the rabbits did what rabbits do and became more and more and more rabbits and now because it's known as rabbit island kids will just come and put their rabbit on there because it's where rabbits live and it's like it's almost advertised as this wonderful place where rabbits roam free sort of like where
0: like your dog's gone to the farm it's like we're just putting your rabbit on rabbit rabbit island are they
4: fed uh by tourists right and that's the problem really because it's the tourist season is quite seasonal And so for some of the year, they don't really get fed at all. Oh, no, okay. Do you think that'll be a
1: natural population control though, wouldn't you? I think it
4: is, but the population is quite high still. Yeah, Mm. And you walk around and there's a few rabbits there and they're chasing after you because they know that tourists feed them. And then you walk, and then you turn around, and there's a few more. And then you walk a bit further, and there's like twenty. Wow. It's the scariest. It's wow. like that's a the thing. like the birds, but rabbits. Yeah. yeah. Cute animals are fine, but when they
0: accumulate, that turns to. Sc- there's a There's a number where it gets scary, isn't it? When you mm. turn around and there's you know four. For me, rabbits. it's
4: like if there's only two, and then you turn around, and there's like six. I think that's scary. Oh yeah. Oh,
1: Did you um? Really have you ever heard of the work of Greg Gage? Okay. so this is no. a guy he, he has this amazing stuff he can put a, a device on your arm that okay. sends little electric sensors and moves your hands for you right so he can sort of stand there with this thing on your arm and he, can, he with his iPad he can like move your arm oh wow it, right? oh, okay. oh, anyway, cool. he created this thing which actually school kids around the world can do where you can operate on a little cockroach and insert a little oh. um, wire into their heads mm. right and then essentially control them using a Playstation controller oh my god right it's absolutely wild anyway the thing wow. is is that you know you can you got this like remote-controlled cockroach. I always thought that he was missing a massive trick, though, because what he should do is get sort of uh, gloves which can tell where his hands are. Those, you know, those kind of gloves that are connected to the internet. And then have an entire army of cockroaches behind him, right? A <laughs> like rabbits, yeah. and then summon them by like lifting his arms up. And yeah, then, oh, the cockroaches like a around.
4: Marvel superhero for yeah. cockroaches. Yeah. Wow.
1: Maybe, maybe next he can do rabbits.
4: Yeah, I'm up for it. The rabbits, I don't think like me because I accidentally kicked one. Because they were kind, they just ran <laughs> accidentally. around. Your... Accidentally, <laughs> here he is getting his, getting his defense in first. <laughs> they just run around your feet the whole time. Oh, sure, like, sure, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, wow that'd be a
0: great
3: and yet you converted it through a rugby post that was nearby so So, uh, I I was just looking up things that are going on in Japan at the moment oh yeah and um, have you heard of the sushi terror (laughs) uh, terror. Japan is in the grip of a right now as we're recording this there's a a huge problem because there's a craze that's developed it's an online craze and it's it's spread to offline you know the conveyor belt sushi restaurants Mm. Yeah. yeah People have started mucking around with the stuff on the belts.
1: Not in Japan, come touching,
3: on. Touching the things. What? Licking bottles of soy sauce. No. It's very bad. And filming themselves as they do it. And this is <sighs> as bad. obviously mm. really bad, you know. Can you just have a little quiz for you guys? Oh, oh yeah. cool, great. When yeah. did the first conveyor belt sushi restaurant open? <sighs> what year?
1: 1990 in New York.
3: Very nice. Ooh, not at oh, at the location. Oh, very wow. nice. Okay. Oh, okay. Wrong, though. Well, look, look at his I'm face. I'm not saying until we've got all... Look at his face. No, please. I'm a very the good first player. Escalator
4: came in Harrods in the UK around 1920s or something like it's that not
3: really it. playing the game to use previous knowledge but okay I like it yeah, yeah, <laughs> so I'm going to
4: say it was in Harrods they decided to open one they took that technology and <laughs> just put little <laughs> sushis on, on it, it. okay yeah, and a year? And, uh, probably 1927 I should think right Dan? Um <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: there's not much nowhere for me to uh, it's not happened yet brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> <technically, yeah. laughs> 2029. 2029. Any day like, now. Yeah, it's all an illusion. It's mm-hmm. been yeah.
3: had. Um, well, okay, it was interesting to me. I mean, James has <laughs> lowballed it so much. That, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's quite all right. But it's 1958. Okay, uh, I am surprised by that. That purpose. is like that is quite a long time ago. Yeah. It predates Cliff Richard's first album by a year.
0: <laughs> and that is how we judge everything. I'm just Hannah, you haven't been on the show before, but that's all right. Yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> that is
3: a long. Wow. I'm surprised.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was going to say we've. I don't know if we've ever mentioned. It. I don't think we have. The first ever English teacher. Uh, who was of a foreign country teaching English in the country, was a guy called Ronald McDonald. Um, He was the first person to teach in Japan, which would be a great, nice coincidence if Ronald McDonald, who is a character in McDonald's in Japan, was called Ronald McDonald, but he's not. What? It's called Donald McDonald. What? Who? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Is it because the letter R is difficult to exactly. say? Exactly. Uh, and it's interesting looking at it online when people have written about it. There's been tweets about it. And if you go to the replies, there's a lot of Japanese people who are like, you know, in their 30s going, he's called Ronald. Like, so it's like, it's a genuinely amazing thing. that over there, he's Donald. Um, did you say you were in Japan recently? Hadn't I was in Japan. Yeah. Filming. Bit, which, well, which, which uh,
1: I was in Tokyo. But the good bit. Yeah. I got to go inside the, the exclusion zone in Fukushima. Which was wow. wild. The whole place is it's extraordinary. There are these buildings, there's one sort of town hall that we went to, and the doors are locked, but inside you can just see everybody's slippers. And there was oh, like oh a kid's God. toy on the floor, oh. and then, um, you know, like beer bottles, right? They'd had a party or something the night before, and there's like a crate with sort of the empties that they hadn't wow. got rid of. Wow. And just like everybody left in such a rush because mm. of the tsunami. But one of the reasons why we were going there, we were looking at wildlife and how wildlife has changed. And there were reports before we got there that there were radioactive bears inside the exclusion zone. Which I was obviously very excited about. Yeah. <laughs> so we got there. We yeah. started, right, right, we're literally on a bear hunt. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we are scared. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, so many of the radiation, but, you know, whatever. Anyway, we went and talked to, talk to the researchers. and we're like, okay, tell us about these bears. We, you know, we couldn't find any bears. Mm. So I, okay, so how much have you seen these bears? And then it transpired that actually um, the bear researcher... <laughs> themselves had only seen one bear once. <laughs>
2: right, okay.
1: <laughs> Actually, it wasn't radioactive bears at all. It was radioactive bear, um, wow. which may or may not be wow. there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's I'd love so to cool. find that bear. That sounds amazing. The radioactive <laughs> cool. bear. I strongly suspect it was a boar. Just, you
0: know, just a just funny angle. Right. Yeah. Okay,
4: it is time for fact number three, and that is James. Okay, my fact this week is that if you grew up in a city, then you have a worse sense of direction than someone born in the countryside. Though it doesn't seem to work if you're from Hungary. (laughs) Okay, again,
1: we're going to need more detail. (laughs) So this is a
4: study uh, published last year in Nature, and it assessed the navigational skills of 400,000 people across 38 countries. And what they did was they asked people to memorize a map in a video game uh, and then once they memorized it, they got them to get their characters to go through this map. Uh, and they worked out how good everyone wasn't navigating. And they found that it was very clear that the people who grew up in cities tended to have a worse sense of direction people who were in the countryside had a better and people in the suburbs were always in between the two so it was a real good correlation Uh, and they said it was strong in places like argentina the uk and the us uh, but there were countries like hungary for example this is a quote Mm -hmm. where there was no real difference but on average the trend held so is
3: that is that because Hungary has very simple cities it, it or was, complicated countryside? Well, I've been to or, Hungary or <laughs> and like
4: for, for instance in Budapest I would yeah. say it's not that different to London because it's an, an old very old city that's built up and It's hickety-pickety. and Yeah, yeah. not like New York which is in like a, a, grid. a grid.
3: And that's why you said the worst people with the worst sense of direction are people who grew up in grid cities. Yeah. Right. Oh, they tend that,
4: to be just, the worst. Oh, yeah, I mean
1: well yeah, yeah, that makes
4: yeah. sense, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, guess, and sure. they kind of speculate slightly that you know Pretty. You don't have as much like, signposts telling you which way to go and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But. It's pretty amazing. So the game that was
0: created for them to do this is called... Um, whoops, is it Quest? It is. It's, it's Sea Hero, Hero Okay,
1: Quest. I need to tell you about it. <gasps> do on, you keep, know keep, it? Yes, keep going.
0: Um, so this game, as of April 22nd, 2022, <laughs> has been now played by over 4.3 million players. Not necessarily all for this exact thing that yeah. you're talking about, James. It's just an incredible way of gathering data. Is this
4: a particular thing that's used in science to...
1: Yeah, it's like this amazing kind of uh, game that is fun to play, but then you're also collecting data from it. Yeah. But the reason why I, I love it so much yeah. is that, um, OK, so there are particular cells in your brain that help you with navigation. Uh, and they found these in, in mice and rats. So some of them are called place cells. And essentially what happens, right, if you, let's say you put a rat in a rectangular room, okay, mm-hmm. you can put a kind of cute little hat on the rat uh, that will measure what's going on in the brain, and you can work out when particular neurons are firing, Okay, and it turns out that in, let's say, the northeast corner of the room, if there's one neuron that fires in this rat's brain while it's in that location, it will not fire anywhere else. It's like a specific neuron that is like this is the northeast corner a place cell and actually what you can do is you can you can elongate the zone in which that neuron fires by putting a rat into an identical room that is just stretched out longer so it's like the northeast corner becomes bigger and so where this neuron fires also becomes bigger anyway the thing is is that they have to do this while the rats are going around in little rooms but it's quite hard to hook up this rat to the hat um, that's measuring what's going on in their brain
3: you're not going to put a spike in it like the cockroach are you? <laughs> I was Look, a bit squeamish about that and I was, I was like, it's only <laughs>
1: tiny the cockroach is fine the cockroach is fine okay okay um, no so what they do is they put these the little hat on the rat and then they put the rat on a ball, and then the, the rat can like run around, and the ball moves underneath them as so though they're running freely. And then they put it in front of a computer and get it to play Quest. No.
0: Yeah. Wow. wow.
1: Yeah. So the rat's like running around playing this computer oh game. Oh my god.
4: Yeah. It's almost like VR for the rat, right? Totally. It thinks that it's in this world. That I get. I don't know. Totally. Probably doesn't even know it's a rat, but it's like <laughs> you know, it's like it it imagines that it's actually going round, right? Yeah, and it's That's the screen. Cool. It's like
1: a little a rat rat sized IMAX. Amazing. That's amazing.
4: Well, one more thing about this study and why it might be important is because poor navigation skills are sometimes used to help identify dementia in people. Mm. Uh, And so you need to know what your base level of navigation skills would be for a normal person. So if you live in the city or the countryside and you have poor navigation skills, it could be because you have dementia, but you need to know what your original was. See,
3: that's clever. I read that if you follow Google Maps, if you follow the blue line, your sense of direction gets much worse over time.
1: Yeah, well, it's like I'm your brain's sure. like yeah. a muscle, right? You've yeah. got to practice
3: it. So I turned it off yesterday. I turned off the blue line. I had to get somewhere. I had to walk for about half an hour across London. And uh, I turned it off. And um, it was only about three corners in the whole journey. So that was really... <laughs>
4: what is the blue line? Sorry. On I'm...
3: Google Maps, you know, there's a blue line. You, see, you, d- you put uh, in directions to somewhere. Okay. And it gives you a little blue line. Right. You follow that line and then you get to the place you go. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Great. I got I got lost on the way between Holborn and Covent Garden oh, just that's... now. I mean, that's that's Damn. what I was aiming. It's like... <laughs> um, I know. And I, like, I've lived here for... 20 years I used to have an A to Z in my pocket I used to be able to like I was mm. fine now I just can't do it yeah. do you know what though so there's a, a cabbie who I use quite a lot and I have a game that I play with him where I'll be in a part of London I'll just send him a photo of like a door, <laughs> and it's unreal. Sorry, you've got your own personal cabbie. No, not my. <laughs> I, I just, well,
3: we say chauffeur normally.
4: Yeah. <laughs> that- You'll never a guess who I had in this. <laughs> it was you. Yeah, it <laughs> was <laughs> me.
1: <laughs> no, he's not my personal cabbie. He's like he's a tame cabbie. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean,
3: I think that's all very impressive. Like I've never. Yeah. Look,
1: first you give up pop noodles, and then <laughs> this is the next
3: step. Has this cabbie feels got a spike in his head, and you just raise your hand, and he arrives. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: wow! I've, I've, and, sorry you send him photos and he just says that's where you are yeah well, he that's knows. cool that, he knows is, that is very yeah.
1: cool do you want to try it now should I take a yeah. photo out the window
3: don't put a street sign on that's great <laughs> Anna's just
4: hanging out the window <laughs> of our office right now <laughs> we could even say where we are because this is the last time we're ever in this office oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: yeah 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 so yeah so let's see if he comes back with this but we're on Maiden Lane let's see if he gets Maiden Lane um, so
3: exciting
4: it's,
1: it's, extra- it's extraordinary
4: I used to live on a street where, which was in the cabbies knowledge exam. Oh, and that yeah. was really useful because you didn't have to give them anything. You just say you're on that street and they'd be like, oh yeah, we know what that is. Did I you, did you know, too. So I lived yeah. on
1: Sandwich Street right. and they always do Bacon Lane to Sandwich Street. <laughs> ah,
4: Lovely. Yeah. Right. What was your one? It was Digby Crescent, but I don't know where mm. they would have gone to. Everard Digby. Everard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everard <laughs> Road to yeah, Digby yeah. <laughs> Crescent, yeah. Oh, he's <laughs> typing, typing. <gasps> Whoa. Okay, hold on, hold on. That's quick. Okay. He's too quick. I'm going to have to edit in a space. Exactly. Yeah. He
1: says, is it it an official test? I think yes.
0: Yes.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: We revoke your license if you... (laughs) Uh
0: Well, let's do a bit of talking and then see to give it some space. Um, Just very quickly, you mentioning you got lost from Holborn to Covent Garden. So I've discovered and made contact with a guy called Tristan Gooley, who's Mm. an amazing guy. He writes incredible books about how you can, anywhere in London, orientate yourself. By various things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're in the morning. Go against the flow of people walking towards you because predominantly that group will be coming from a tube station. And if you need to find a tube station, at the end
4: of the day... Not if you live in a commuter town. They're all going to the tube oh, station. Sorry, this is, this is London, uh, central London. But he's you've, you've, about. You've,
3: you've woken up and the kidnapper has told you, you're in central London, but I'm not going to tell you where. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you right, say, right. which zone? is like, one or two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And
0: yeah.
1: Uh, no point to this day, just ask somebody where you are.
0: Well, his idea is, is that you shouldn't ask someone where you are. You okay. should make the challenge of working out your navigation better. If you see a tree in London, look if it has a tilt on it, because if it has a tilt, that what will be pointing sign? to the south. Right. I always think
4: in London go downhill, you'll get to the river eventually. Yeah, right, okay. I don't know if that's true. That, Feels like I mean, there are local be. maxima though. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was
3: reading a book called The Lost Art of Finding Our Way, which yeah. is by an author called John Huff. And he was talking about urban myths of navigation, how, you know, there's one of... It's not the tilt on the tree. You know the other one it's of the like tree? moss
4: on one side of the tree? Moss
3: or? grows on the north side of a tree because it's cooler, darker, shadier, and not on the south. And it doesn't... It only happens in mid-latitudes in the northern hemisphere, so you need to know which hemisphere you're in. So it's not a perfect test. Can you oh.
4: flush a toilet first and see which way the water? I know yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. There's a toilet next to a tree, so you do know that here. Um, but if you also, you know what hemisphere you're in, though. I think <laughs> you're <laughs> in a lot more you trouble. You look at the stars. <laughs> it's like, okay. But was- how
0: long
1: was I blindfolded for? <laughs> <laughs> was it enough to do a sixteen-hour flight? Yeah. Should we look at the phone? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's have a look. Let's see. Okay. What's he saying? We've got a response. <gasps> okay. We sent this at uh, twelve thirty-seven, and he replied at twelve thirty-nine. Maiden Lane. Oh, oh my God! God. Yes. I want to know how he did it, though. What's in the photo that I,
2: you can? Can I call him and ask him? Yeah, go for <laughs> <a> it. <tip>, put <laughs> on speaker. Yeah, well, mm.
4: it was the moss on the north side. <laughs> <of> the <previous laughs> restaurant. Yeah. This is
0: great. How did you do it? I, I knew roughly where you were because there's a safe door.
1: Oh. Uh, yes.
0: And I'm, there's there's no traffic in that street, so I know it's somewhere annoying <sighs> like Soho or Covent Garden. <laughs> right And then I just used my powers of deduction <laughs> <laughs> Wow <laughs> Hi, so uh, Richard, uh, Dan Shriver here No such thing as a fish, uh, thanks for being on the show what, Did you, is that genuinely The final guess was a, was a punt Or did you know it? I did recognise the street But I did use the stage door And the fact that I could tell there's no traffic In that street anymore and I'm not allowed to drive down it So it did look, it did look familiar And I kind of worked it out from that Yeah Amazing. amazing
1: all right cheers rich i'll talk to you later on amazing
0: thanks benny oh i wish he ended that by going oh got to go professor brian cox is calling <laughs> a picture for me to analyze that is god really that's cool. good yeah
4: yeah
1: wow I, he's never not got one it's uh, one day one day that's so cool
2: <laughs> that's really that was, cool. We
4: we're talking about holborn yeah. Uh, earlier yeah. and do you remember when they changed the rules that you're allowed to stand on both sides of the escalator yeah I in do yes. Yes. it's a very so, long escalator were you angry about it
1: yeah why you know I'm going to tell you you're incorrect
4: to be angry <laughs> I know I do know okay just warning
3: TFL's justification for the trial so just to explain sorry in sorry.
4: London when we go down an escalator in the underground you have to stand on the right hand side yep. and you're allowed to walk along the left hand side yeah uh, but they said from now on everyone's standing on both sides
3: yeah right my problem with it is I know what you're going to say, Hannah. You're going to say it's mathematically more efficient. You will get more people on and through the escalator if, they're, if, they're, if everyone's just standing. I will say that. Okay, <laughs> my perspective is, mm-hmm. as, a, as a commuter, mm-hmm. it's less pleasant. It's okay standing and there are people moving past you. If you're standing with people in front, behind and next to you, it's a bit of a squash and there's this awkward thing where you might have to make conversation with someone or you'll make eye contact <laughs> or they'll start, like, they'll start you know they'll start a fight or they'll say what do you start you know, a fight <laughs> just it's too tight
1: look it's too I tight. would accept that as a okay. response and I would accept that you would prefer to have a slower journey time to mm-hmm. avoid that but for the fact that you're just about to slam yourself into a tube carriage with 50,000 other people yeah. into their mm-hmm. armpits yeah you know it's definitely no more sardini than when you get on the tube
3: it feels impersonal and cold I love the freedom of just running up those escalator <laughs> steps and you know it's just it's, it's, you're like, it's, you know you feel like you're really getting somewhere yeah. like oh these, these slow coaches these are jumps, standing on the right you're just putting on the right yeah jumps on the right, yeah, you, on the right. legends on the left is what I would have the find say <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs>
4: Do you oh. know? Uh, well, basically, a lot of people felt the same way as you, Andy. Yeah. But like um, Hannah says, it was it was successful, and way more people could get down the escalator. People don't like
3: maths, James. People but don't forget like about math. the maths. Just
1: think about the gaps. If you were like looking down on it, say you were like you know in the control room, <laughs> yeah. um, looking down on the escalator. Uh, if people are walking down, there's much bigger gaps, which basically means you've got all of that yeah. wasted space, right? So you get a much higher flux. It's of not wasted space. Waste. It's I the was...
3: hero's aura. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's you're spotting who's a drone, who's willing to do what the system <laughs> tells them. Please stand on the escalator. <laughs> the sheeples. Uh,
4: yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah. like standing in the fast lane when there's no one there. <laughs> 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 well, Only well, well, when there's no one there. Only
3: well, when there's no one there. Yeah, and that's because you like you you
4: like to play with
3: norms. Yeah, you subvert. Yeah. You twist exactly you kick rabbits when I don't (laughs) (laughs) Mm. is,
0: is that still in place that law in Holborn which one? Uh, the the TFL, the Tube, the tube Lord. The no,
3: no, no. It was a trial, the yeah. the double oh, thing, and it didn't really take off. Uh, thanks thanks like to my it. letter writing because, campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say
0: the QI offices. We are moving, and we're moving to Holborn. Look. And it just the sadistic bit of me would love to know that that's
3: now your Tube station. <laughs> 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 no, I, I sabotaged it by leaving small pieces of sushi, which I had licked on
0: every <laughs> other <laughs> step. In, like, <laughs> Okay, it is time for our final fact of the show, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that an inventor called Yi Fei Chen has designed a gun which collects tears from your face so you can shoot them back
4: at the person who made you cry. (laughs) Tears, even if you're really upset, it's not a super soaker, is it? No, it's not. But have you seen it? Have you seen the no, video? I of it? Seen that. Yeah. Yeah. it
0: shoots I, out with more force. She's, than a, oh. she's built it, hasn't she? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like to the point where it would hurt. I, do you know what? We're going to backtrack on that. It's got similar force to a uh, super soaker because what it does is it collects the tears, but then there's a sort of canister that freezes it, so it it kind of turns. What? <laughs> but what does it do, Andy? Because it doesn't. It's still liquid. It's not ice particles, so it's not like it's not tear bullets. It's still is the tear gas.
4: <laughs> it's, yeah. it's kind of what it is weirdly right. Too yeah. Awkward, yeah. but um, then yeah. the time it takes to freeze I know are you still going to be upset at the person who? no exactly
0: you so it's not a it's not an immediate right. I wouldn't bring it to a, an actual gunfight
3: um, I is think like
1: your tears are best served cold right yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly and
3: often, so, often you know one finds that you, you're actually the one who's made yourself cry <laughs> Wow, You know, you have control over whether you're crying in a situation. And he goes home, yeah. has a little cry, and
4: then fires them at himself. <laughs> <laughs> this is all your fault.
1: That's interesting that you think you have control over whether you cry in a situation.
3: Yeah, I'm now thinking about my tear ducks so much. You look like you're crying. Number. I know. I definitely do are, not have control yeah. over crying. they are, are
0: involuntary in tears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I cry all the time. I try Do not you? to. Yeah, because I'm often, I'll watch like a really, like a really heartfelt, like Oprah Winfrey, the YouTube clip on the tube or yeah. on a train. And, and it gets me every time. And it's embarrassing because you have people next to you, right? So,
1: so hang on, is that why you don't want this escalator thing? So then you can yeah. have that moment of privacy. It's
0: really, yeah. The that length of a Holborn escalator is about a one classic clip of Oprah like length time. It's so yeah. random.
3: <laughs> Do you watch the Tom Cruise jumping up and down on her sofa? No, it's not just, emotional. I like the emotion. Oh, Right, right, stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you like Dr. Phil? Uh, no,
0: I don't watch Dr. Phil I don't like military you? homecoming videos Or um, pregnancy oh, announcement like videos those. I quite <laughs> like homecoming
1: yeah. The other one I really like When I just want a really good cry Is a dog rescue oh nice yeah because sometimes you get um, the dogs and they're in such a little state oh right? I haven't done that and yet and you know like oh, they'll often have like you know loads of lice and loads of like ticks and things and horrible yeah, and they yeah, like yeah. scaly skin and then what's really nice is when they patch them all up and oh. then they're ready to be rescued by you know go to an adopter home. they're
0: all fluffy again oh
2: my god well you need <laughs> you to do this a... to yourself
1: I do it's very therapeutic this is therapeutic. Fucking weird there's, <laughs> a, there's a Venn
0: diagram <laughs> that you I'd love to introduce you to which is military homecoming videos but where they come home to the dog dog, and the dog reacts, woof, oh. that's a new level of Whoa emotion, there. yeah. Whoa there. You, and you do that on the tube. Yeah. You just go on the tube, and you just want to cry when you're on the tube. Well, I just suddenly have a hankering to, it's the algorithm, you know, I'll be watching something, but I've watched so much of it, I'll, you know, it'll be like a comedy clip of a, someone I want to watch in then underneath, it's like, Oprah gives $16,000 to a desperate mum who lost her house in a hurricane. Is this
4: actually just to stop people sitting next to you on the tube? <laughs> 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 Andy what no, do you like- <laughs> watch to make you cry on the tube <laughs> I, I,
3: I don't i don't I think I've, I don't think I consciously watch things that will make me cry I've seen sometimes you'll see a clip that's doing the rounds online and you find it very I just moving, think but. about my career
4: <laughs> <laughs> I would say for me the only thing the only thing really that makes me yeah. a bit like that is sporting events when mm. people you know like a classic
3: yeah. turnaround like a, a last yeah. minute Hail Mary yeah
4: someone who's like reached their life's ambition yeah. Right. In the Olympics a, oh yeah, man cry does
3: a little bit oh, I'll tell you
0: what you'll love then the, uh, the it's called the knock it's when the NFL players are told they've made it into the Hall of Fame, oh, yeah, and yeah, someone yeah. goes around knocking on the door. Oh, the emotion in that. I Especially think I, when there's a dog involved. <laughs> the the poppy bowl. The, the crafts <laughs> the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's... Wow. Uh, Gosh,
3: we've learned a lot.
0: So, <laughs> damn. Yifei Chen. So, she's actually, oh, we, yeah. we say inventor, she's actually a designer, uh, and she was at a design school, and this was a thing where she grew up in Taiwan, and you're trying not to return anger towards authority or school teachers or your parents or so on. Um, That's just part of the culture a bit so much there. Less so when she went overseas and she was studying in the Netherlands and she noticed that she was being told off and she watched someone step up for her but she realized she couldn't do it for herself. So she had a cry and she thought, I felt really weak. So I want to use my weakness and turn it into power. What if I invented a gun? <laughs>
3: what if I did the most punishingly amazing. literal interpretation of that? <laughs> <laughs> It's very cool. It's an amazing looking invention.
0: It's it
2: beautiful,
3: sort of yeah. It has these here collecting half moons under the eyes it? and a little pipe that then leads down into the mm. cartridge or chamber or whatever you call yeah. It. yeah and she did it as part of her
0: course she designed the gun so on her graduation she actually went up and she fired the gun at the head of
3: the department <laughs> Jan I know what you're thinking did I cry six tears or only five <laughs> <laughs> do you feel weepy <laughs> oh, can I tell you about another inventor yeah, invention or yeah. so. please okay um have you guys heard of the Knee Defender? No.
1: I think we're about to.
3: Yeah. If you're on a plane... Oh, no. You fit this to the this seat is. in front of you, to the back of the seat in front of you, and it means the person in front of you can't recline their seat.
0: Oh, oh I, wow. Oh, and I, they're, they're banned on a lot of airlines.
3: I bet they are. They're a controversial contraband thing. And the inventor is six foot three. <laughs> and he says that it's it was more to start a conversation.
4: I bet it does. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: So it's... It, basically, it comes with a little card for your fellow passenger, if you get one of these. And it reads... I realise that this may be an inconvenience If so, I hope you will complain to the airline Maybe working together we can convince the airline To provide enough space between rows So people can recline their seats without banging into
4: other passengers What a dick Yeah. yeah, and he is, you have got some of these haven't
2: you <laughs> I, yeah.
1: I mean it's like I, I, I fundamentally agree that you uh that the airlines do put them too close together and it means right. that actually you can't you have to one person has to sacrifice their comfort and that seems unfair yeah. but him being like one of us has to sacrifice their comfort and this time it's not going to be me oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like,
4: and in fact no. on no occasion it's going to no. be me
2: well, yeah. what
1: he <laughs> needs to
0: do is fly business like I do yeah. and you manage to do that by eating nothing but pot noodles and
4: saving your money <laughs> if you fly first class like I do then then you all recline and you know know. it doesn't
1: look so bad that sometimes I get cabs now (laughs) does it
4: I actually have my own airline pilot (laughs) (laughs) take a photo of some Sky (laughs) (laughs) oh that's New Jersey isn't it yeah yeah
3: yeah. (laughs) lovely um, I, I got a, we got an email in the fish inbox about oh, yeah. in, and this is about innovation rather than about um, inventions exactly but mm-hmm. it's just so interesting because it was a guy called uh, Mark Emerton who sent in a fact about something uh, nuclear a nuclear test okay and he said I have a fact from my late great uncle who actually worked on the nuclear test program the British nuclear test program in the 50s and he says this is probably classified for all I know <laughs> but fuck it <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: my kind of guy yeah
3: <laughs> right The UK and US used to share test sites in the Pacific, Uh but each would bring their own instruments to measure the power of nuclear tests on the ground. The US had very sensitive, state-of-the-art pressure transducers, but they kept getting broken or having their readings wiped by shockwaves and radiation. Okay. The UK, with a much smaller budget, realised that you could measure the pressure of a nuclear blast just by getting a squeezy tube of toothpaste, (laughs) taking the cap off, and then placing a ruler next to it. The pressure of the blast would squirt out toothpaste proportionally to the blast strength, and there were no electronics to go wrong. They that's worked. Genius. Oh,
1: that's, that's amazing. Great. Okay, there, I mean, there is a story about this about, uh, about Fermi. Do you know this story? No. So, Fermi, this amazing, amazing physicist, and he had um, Enrico. Enrico. He had a reputation for being able to do uh, calculations in his head. And during the first uh, test, he decided he wanted to try and work out how uh, strong the blast was and mm. so he stood in the observation tower which i think was some distance away from the blast. i mean you would assume it was <laughs> <from Yeah>. the, <laughs> from the blast. and he tore up a tiny bit of paper a sheet of paper into tiny little bits and he held it in his hand and then as the blast um exploded he opened his hand and then paced out how far they'd uh, been blown across oh, wow. the room yeah. and then got within i think a factor of two of the the equivalent in dynamite so i think wow. you, i mean it's totally legitimate that you can do this you That's don't cool. get like perfectly accurate results, weirdly enough.
4: (laughs) Um, But yeah, you can get really close. That's really cool. Just on um, classified stuff, I read the other day about a girl in America who went to her school's show and tell with a load of classified U.S. government documents. <laughs> <laughs> well, from her, like her dad or mom. No, it was even worse than that. So there'd been um, someone from the government had been at something and then had lost their briefcase or just left it there. <laughs> and their dad, this girl's dad had found it and sort of just picked it up and looked through it and it all said classified <laughs> and stuff. And then he just took it home and then they kept it in the attic and never did anything with it. And then oh, like wow. five or six years later, she's like, I need something for show and tell, went up and then oh, Gosh. I'll take this. And then took it down. And it was like all stuff about Iran
2: and <laughs> oh, Libya wow. and stuff oh like that. Was she yeah.
4: um, detained? Was she, well, yeah. She's, she's a, in Guantanamo. Guantanamo. <laughs> 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 the, um, the teacher got in touch with the CIA. And is that the right person? or it would the FBI Yeah, be the CIA? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And wow. said, we have this. And they came and sent some people in. In dark glasses to wow. retrieve it. So,
3: quietly <laughs> waiting at the back of the show and tell while Blooming Tilly talks about her conch that she's found. <laughs> <know. laughs> uh, and
4: I think probably the person who lost it might have got killed yeah. or killed. Yeah. Yeah. It was all a happy ending. In That's it. amazing. Wow. That's so cool.
0: Uh, here's another new invention. This is from, I think, 2022, which um, I mentioned it to my wife and she's looking into getting one. It's a Motion Pillow 3. <laughs> is, is it a mega hanky? It <laughs> it's <laughs> a YouTube Prime account. I
3: can
4: get
0: rid of all those nasty ads getting in the way. Um, it's a what, sorry? Uh, motion Pillow 3, it's called. It's a pillow, right? And a, a snara.
4: Damn it! Is that where we're going? I on? A Ooh. Yes. Uh-huh. I thought of it. Does as- it
1: smother you?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, my wife
3: is very keen on getting one. It's a weighted blanket for the face.
0: Is how it's sold. Yeah. yeah. No.
3: Is it a pillow that moves under you? It undulates under you to keep you asleep. No.
4: Does it massage you? Uh, No, Does it do what Andy said, but to stop you from snoring? Exactly.
0: I can't believe that you didn't build on the snoring thing. (laughs) What it is, is is when you're laying down, if you're snoring, there are four airbags inside and it's AI (laughs) kind of generated. So it inflates to move your head around until the position where the airwaves are opened up properly and you stop snoring. And it means that you just reduce snoring.
3: No way. Yeah, That's, this is no a motion pillow you You're going to say you're not waking up when someone is, your pillow is slowly grinding your head into place. <laughs> <laughs> does it make a noise?
4: Is there a... Well, is there a, a when your neck snaps, it does. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's this a way to assassinate someone, isn't it? <laughs> incredible. Hacked Hacked the the pillow. Oh, oh. is
1: that why motion pillow one and two didn't
3: make it to <laughs> <the> one? <laughs> um, can I tell you about the Corby Trouser Press? Uh, yeah, just while we're on game-changing inventions of the 20th century. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I just we're losing a lot of inventors now who invented really big things, and I'm not saying that and. Just, <laughs> <laughs> and, Um But like the inventor of the kettle off switch, for example, is still alive. Oh yeah, it's still, still going. a Professor of invention in Oxford or something like that. Cambridge. It's John Taylor. Um, this is a slight tangent, or I've tangent yeah. to myself, but it's um. Do you know how the kettle off switch works? Is it a bimetallic strip? Yeah. Oh. I just love bimetallic strips. What <laughs> is that? What is it?
1: So well, it's, that's interesting. Yeah. I haven't thought about this before. I do remember trying to buy a kettle which didn't have one and it was really hard. Really? Yeah. Why were you trying to. I don't remember. But I think it was something to do with stamps okay. and uh, illegal activity that the post office can't find out about. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um
3: So, a bimetallic strip is but you got. It's, a, it's as it sounds, it's a strip of two different metals, um, it, like all the way along, right? Yeah. Yeah. and they expand and contract at different temperatures because um, of, the, the, of the chemical composition so as it gets hot water on it this strip it will bend because one side is expanding more than the other oh. and you can develop those and it snaps the kettle off at a certain temperature yeah, as a bimetallic strip I right. think
4: that I love bimetallic strips is the most Andy sentence I've ever heard you <laughs> say yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well we
3: had one in the house when I was growing up and it was a very cool scientific experiment
4: what kettle to do, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what all those pot noodles you were having is <laughs>
0: Okay, that's it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said over the course of this podcast, we can be found on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at Schreiberland, James. At James Harkin. Andy. At Andrew Hunter M. And Hannah. fry ars fry Yeah, nice. Or you can go to our group account, which is at No Such Thing, or our website, no such thing as a check it out all of our previous episodes are up there as well as merchandise do have a look Uh, but most importantly make sure to watch hannah's latest show it's called the future with hannah fry it's on bloomberg or you can find it on youtube it's uh the whole series is up now right you can take it all in one go if you finish that and you're on youtube why not check out some oprah clips there's (laughs) really good ones uh to watch um anyway (laughs) that's it and that's it from us from this office this is where qi's office was for the last nine years of our existence uh fish started here nine years ago this is the last ever episode we're doing in our hq so we'll be from somewhere new next week so thank you for being our final guest ever hannah in our hq and uh yeah we will be back again next week in another building with another episode we'll see you then goodbye